Listener Production. Yes, a big hello and welcome to the Jock and Journo Show. We're back for the first time in three years. By popular demand, uh, something like that. Uh, I'm Jake Clark from the Herald Sun and I am absolutely delighted to be joined by this man. I think he missed me. I'm pretty sure he missed me. It's the I did, champ. Mate. I did. Done everything. You've won everything. Scott Pendlebury, how are you, mate? I'm really good, mate. Daisy Thomas has given us a knock on the door, a bit of support. It's great to see we get one <laughs> supporter to our first show, but... I would say we're back by popular demand. 2020 was the last episode and yep. we were asked about it a lot, mm-hmm. I reckon, in that time frame. And then now that we're back, yep. I heard your boys on Sunday talking about it. So people know that it's coming. Yes. And I feel like people are threatened by it. You think so? Oh, okay. Podcast wars. Uh, interesting. Our last episode, as we said, 2020, we're in the guts of the pandemic at that point and you were sort of, uh, well, you're on the way to making finals, uh, finishing second in the best and fairest again, of course, a five-time best and fairest when a six-time All-Australian. Now the Collingwood Games record holder and has officially touched the Sharon more times than any other. So you've accomplished a lot since then. Oh, I haven't done done quite as much, it's uh, it's fair to say. But we're going to have some fun, aren't we, Scotty? And a lot happening at the Magpies. There is. There is a bit happening with us, yeah, which we'll touch on and delve into. But, yeah, it's been Mm. a big uh, three years since we've last done this. I think your testes might have just dropped before, which was nice, and that little (laughs) bit there. And, uh, yeah, we'll get stuck into it, which is... um, Always good fun. Lots to talk about on the show today, of course. Nick Dacos, probably the biggest news or one of the biggest news items of the season. Out for six weeks. How do the Magpies going to change and adapt to that? That's going to be interesting. I want to speak about uh, Brody Grundy and uh, squirrel grips and nudie dips. It's interesting how the Blues have turned their season around. And, uh, of course, all things Magpies. What an extraordinary change it's been. When we last recorded, Nathan Buckley was coach. Obviously, things have changed and there's been a nice old special sauce running through uh, Collingwood uh, at the moment. Moment. But let's get straight to uh, Nicky Dacos, uh, Scotty, because he was the Brownlow medal favourite. He cracked his knee and he could be out for up to six weeks. Yeah. Who's going to replace him in that engine room? Um, yeah, well, our, our midfield actually has um, sort of struggled the last few weeks. We haven't performed that well against uh, Carlton. Port Adelaide, I would say, we were break even with Port. Poor against Carlton and poor again on the weekend against um, against the Hawks. And so, yeah, we, you know, obviously losing Nick, best player in the competition. Mm. Um, you know, and just his ball use and all that sort of stuff. But I think we've got some issues that we need to figure out as well. And, you know, I was just thinking before um, when we're talking about this, you know, you look at, you know, Melbourne, they haven't had Oliver, Brisbane lose, Will Ashcroft, uh, Port Adelaide have had their own injuries. So every side faces this. And Mm -hmm. um, I think more than anything, what it will do for us is just reinforce how we want to play. I think that's our biggest concern going forward is just getting back to our brand, our DNA, which, um, yeah, we've hit a little bit of a lull and I feel like for – 18 or 24 months, we haven't really dealt with, you know, two losses on the trot. And, um, you know, know, knowing our group, we're we're very level-headed, we're calm, we'll get back to work and bring our football back to life on Friday against the Cats. So you're currently the, uh, I think now you are the oldest player in the competition with Lance Franklin retiring or Shannon Hearn. I think you'll be the oldest player um, next year, still sort of selling the candy. It's going to be interesting when you do that next year's the league's official gra- grandpa yeah. and you're still sucking them in with that little sidestep and, and shimmy that you do. But how do they get how do you get the run? Who's gonna who's gonna take the nick? So I would have thought Geordie Degoe then, you know, his role becomes amplified a little bit. But he needs a co pilot there because we've seen Nick and his skill and his run and his polish, etc. Is it Jack Crisp? Is it Oleg Markov? How do you think that works? Yeah, well I think the 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 thing with Nick is you can play multiple positions for us. So mm. Yeah, we've got guys like John Noble, Markov through the back half that can bring that run. 
Um, and I think like coaches and, and players, like you don't replace a Nick Dacos, you don't replace like a Clayton Oliver. What you do though is you try and find guys who can fill the role, mm. um, provide the run. Um, and we're not going to ask, you know, you know, Markov to become Nick Dacos or yep. Noves to become Nick Dacos, but we've got to be able to cover for him. And if everyone can lift, you know, two or three percent and get back to playing our brand of footy, which I think is our major concern, mm. um, so yeah, what's we'll off? be fine. What's off then? Well, I think on the weekend, losing centre bounce doesn't help. Six, no. six, and six, you lose at eighteen to three. We've been an all right centre bounce side this year. Last mm-hmm. year we were we were pretty bad, and then this year I think we've been, you know, more often than not, uh, we've been positive in there. So to lose eighteen to three means we're playing the game um, in mm-hmm. the back half a lot. And then Hawthorne's forwards were really dangerous, and that centre bounce stuff was really off. And um, I'd probably say that's an outlier for us that we're we're generally pretty good in there mm-hmm. and, and break even. So address that, and then I think we've just got to tighten up our team defence a little bit. You'd be loose. I think Hawthorne just moved the ball too easy. That took 135 marks. So we need to tighten that aspect of our game up. And we have been, I don't know if we still are, but the number one defense in the comp. Mm. So um, it's an area we pride ourselves on. That's just fallen away a little bit in the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, I think there's two pretty clear areas for us to address and, and get back to that. And, um, yeah, we'll be okay. Last one on this. How's Nicky Dacos taking the news? I mean, he's been the best player in the competition for a large part of this season. He is he, he would be shattered. Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen him in person yet. I've only just spoken to him. Um, I was pretty surprised when I texted him. Um, I knew after the game that he was going to go get a scan with Murph and mm. just asked him how he was feeling. And he, yeah, he said he's got that little hairline fracture. Um, so he'll be out from you know for six weeks. So mm. disappointing. But he's, he hasn't really had to deal with anything like this yet. He's had a pretty seamless run. You know, come in and played every game to date. So it's a new challenge for him. But knowing Nick, um, super professional guy. He'll get to work on some things that he's probably got a little bit of time to work on now and then hopefully we see him back early in the finals. Have you been amazed that other clubs haven't tagged him as much as we've seen oh, no, in the every, past? Everyone's tried. Teams have tried. Are you have. sure? William Drew. Oh, you've yeah, been in the past three weeks, but what happened in the first 15 rounds? Don't forget, he's playing half back. We can still go to him. I saw you play against Fremantle and no Fremantle player in the first five minutes of the game went within about 30 metres of him. Yeah, he's, chest he's a pretty out. good player. I know he's a good player, but surely, surely they've missed a trick by not by not doing yeah, all this sort of stuff early the, in the season. That might be the next evolution for Nick. Is this is actually coming like a hard tag week in week out? Can he handle that? Absolutely, he can. So, but you're not always going to get it right. Mm. Oh yeah, like some, no. sometimes someone's going to get you. Yeah, and that's okay. But as long as you just keep working and. As I said, that might be the next thing for Nick that comes his way. Been an extraordinary season because now you look at like watching Carlton at the weekend in particular. They look like the form side of the competition alongside, um, you know, Melbourne, of course. So it's going to be um, an, ex- an extraordinary run home, I think. This, the, this flag is anyone's. I know you guys have been yeah. the dominant um, team for a, a little while and looked like the side to beat. It could be anyone's. And I look at the way Carlton played uh, yesterday. Charlie Kern, I know, he was held – quiet for most of it, but still stood up in the big moment, kicked the goal, Paddy Cripps. I mean, they destroyed St Kilda in the centre clearances in that uh, in that second half. Speaking to Ed Cano after the game, so they had the campfire down there, right? And they had, not, not to piss up, but they had a bit of a session down there at his place, down on the farm. They all got around the campfire and said some home truths, and he said that they also sort of stripped down and went for a bit of a nudie swim in his dam. A few ice baths. As a bit of a cleansing moment, get rid of the horrible first half of the season, energise themselves for the second half of the year. Don't anything strange. We had a, we had a um, my first year, we had a mid-season trip to Early Beach. Mm-hmm. And I think I'd played like two games by this stage. I played Brisbane, Melbourne, and then we had the bye. But we'd been going like win-loss, win-loss for six weeks. Yep. And we got up there and um, Bucks was skipper at the time. and Be very up, serious. Yeah, but we were just having, you know, the big circle up sort of, Mm-hmm. chat and it's like on a Friday night up in Early Beach and mm-hmm. 
you know, what can we do better? Blah, blah, blah. And a couple of beers. Through, yeah. Well, we weren't having any. And then through to Ben Johnson, like, what do we think? Blah, blah, blah. And Benny Johnson, like, oh, I think we just need to all relax and have a few beers together. And uh, the, the leaders at the time um, were like, well, right, we can have like one or two together. And then that's it. We'll call a curfew like 10 o'clock. Then we've got to get back to our rooms or whatever. Yep. So one or two when we're sitting in the circle sort of turned to like four or five and everyone's, and that was cool, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And anyway, well, me and Danny Stanley, it's like, you know, that's a curfew. So everyone heads back to their rooms. Yeah. And I was rooming with, it was Julian Rowe and Dane Swan at the time. Right. So me and Stan as first year players, we don't know what's going on. We get back <laughs> and we're like, all right, jump into bed. And Swan, he's like, what are you blokes doing? Yeah. It's like, get your kid on. We're all going out. I'm like, oh, there's like, you know, Bucks and that, all the guys said there's a curfew. Yep. And like, there's no curfew, mate. We're going out. We get to the nightclub, <laughs> 95% of the team's in the nightclub partying, drinking. So um, I don't know how we went after that, but that was yep. my uh, first, you know, sort of kumbaya moment mm. where we were all sitting around and had a few home truths. So that was um, who, yeah, one, one I look back fondly on. Who, who wasn't there? Uh, yeah, probably Bucks and Burnsy's room probably weren't there <laughs> as a captain and vice captain. But yeah, that was, um, was good times. Eddie Kerner called it a circuit breaker. For the club, I think, um, how impressed by you are the Blues? We go back eight weeks ago, that was a car crash, that joint. Pressure on the coach, talk of player infighting, they've turned it around. They look dangerous. Yeah, they do. As you said, they are probably the informed side of the competition. You know, Port Adelaide, before that, I think it won 12 or 13 on the trot. Now Carlton have won seven or eight on the trot. Yeah, I was super impressed by them when we played them two weeks ago, their pressure, their ball movement. Um, you know, we only played them 10 weeks earlier and I would say there was a significant improvement in in how they played from first to second time we played them. And mm. yeah, we knew they were going to be really dangerous. They're, they're moving the ball a little bit more direct and quicker. And mm. yeah, I thought St. Kilda were really good, their pressure game. And then, um, you know, similar to ours, if you just give up center bounce clearances too often, mm. you're just playing the game and you're putting your backs under too much pressure. Obviously, from centre bounce, you can't get any extra support, so it's one-on-one -on -one down there, and mm. Carlton Fords are looking dangerous up and about. And yeah, there's, as you said, they obviously had a bit of a circuit breaker, and they look a, a different side coming out of the bye. Mm. Nudie dip is an interesting way to uh, get... Whatever works. We might have to do that as a pies. We should get that going at the Herald Sun. Maybe we need something uh, a bit like that. Wouldn't that be interesting? Um, what about your old mate Brody Grundy? The situation at Melbourne, oh, I find this absolutely fascinating. And I know he's got the sort of decent contract, five years... Um, at Melbourne at the start of the season, Maxi Gorn says, come on, we're going to job share. It's going to be 50% uh, split each. We're going to work it out forward. And it doesn't work. And they get to round, so what was it, round 14, 15. They're on the slide. They lose to, lose to GWS and they make the big call Brody Grundy to the twos. You go back three, four years ago, he was the best, was he fifth in the Brownlow medal? One of the best ruckmen in the, well, probably the best ruckman in the competition there for a period. There's no way if he can't get back in the team, that Melbourne can keep him. Melbourne sold him a vision and it hasn't worked out. They would have to trade your old mate to another club, surely. And that becomes a, the the biggest story of the of the trade period. He, he can't stay there if he's only playing VFL. Do you think? Yeah, well, I think it comes back to, yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with Melbourne trying it and experimenting with it in the off-season to bring him in. And, yep. Um, yeah, I know when we played them early in the years, our guys found it extremely hard to play against both of them. You know, mm -hmm. you don't get – there's no respite when you've got Gorn and then Grundy comes in. But, yeah, and then I think uh, Petty went down for them on the weekend, so he might get an opportunity to to play. It's just, yeah. And I feel like I said this years ago that contracts in footy don't mean much you did. Um, anymore. So if a player – and I – and this goes for anyone in the competition. I think if you're not playing AFL footy mm. and that's that's your dream, you've got to remember that you come into this system because you want to play AFL football. No one wants to play VFL. And Brody's too good of a ruckman mm. to be playing, in my opinion, VFL footy. And I know that's that up to Melbourne with their mix and how it wants to work. And they've obviously got the best ruckman in the competition, yep. so it's hard. But yeah, Brody's a 
top five ruckman in the league. Yep. So it's if it's up to him, I feel, if he wants to go get that opportunity. And I don't think anyone would begrudge him to wanting to go to another footy club and try and get his ruck roll back and mm. um, show the show what he can do because I feel like a lot of people have written Brody off and mm. he's not the player he was and all this sort of stuff and you know there's an argument too if Melbourne didn't have him early in the year when Gore went down you know how does it look now so oh, I think it probably sits with with Melbourne and, and Brody and I think that would be, just be a pretty mature conversation at the end of the year going to be a tricky negotiation Collingwood's still picking up some of that tab so the ramifications of all that will be pretty interesting but he needs to be a, um, a primary ruckman and it's interesting at the moment, I think Max Gorn looks like he relishes being the big banana. Yeah. You well, you, sp- you speak to any ruckman, um, and I'll I'll call their I'll call their bluff if they say otherwise. Mm. Every ruckman likes to ruck one out. Yep. And they like to do eighty percent of the work. Yep. And that's just how it is. Yep. And because Brody they the feel like they get into the game better. Um, like they're not. I, I I don't can't recall anyone being like this explosive speed athlete in the ruck that needs you know, burst through there. They love, like, their endurance athletes. They mm-hmm. love just physically trying to grind their opponent down. Like, think Shane Mumford. Yep. He could ruck 70%, 80%, because all he wants to do is he wants to physically just get after his opposition and yep. wear them down. Mm. So, you know, Gorn's the same. He looks in better form. And Brody's the same. Darcy Cameron rucks better when he sort of feels like he's one out and he's got a shoulder to load. And, yep. Um, Luke Jackson at Frio yep. looks better being in the ruck by himself. And yep. I, yeah, as I said, I think all ruckmen like just having the job. Yep. But from a footy club point of view, you don't want to burn the, these guys out over a course of 24 weeks. So you mm. do need some support. It's just how you go about it. They're going to need – Grundy goes. Melbourne are going to have to find someone new essentially to, to take his um, his take his position. But I think clubs in the past and the trades have been a little bit stubborn. Now I think there's more open-mindedness about making a sort of situation like this uh, work for Melbourne. But did you think he could work – when the whole trade went down, did you think, well, he's got the skills set to oh, it's something that Brody would have to develop I yeah. thought a skill set yeah um I wasn't as sure I thought uh you know Max Gorn could play forward as well because he is quite yep. a good aerialist down there and yep. a lot and through the other thing with forwards is a lot of it's how the ball comes in so if it comes in quick and you get some one-on-ones you look really good if mm. it doesn't and you're stagnant yep you can look second rate so yep. um yeah but obviously they thought it would work and it hasn't pound out how they wanted that's not to say that they're completely going to give up on the project but mm-hmm. um yeah, I think all rucks that go forward just want it in quick and give them a chance because if it's, you know, you know, sides park the bus and there's heaps of numbers down there, it's challenging for, for even our best key forwards to deal with that. Uh, we mentioned Carlton, of course, looking like one of the form side of the competition. Melbourne also looked like they're starting to get their ducks in a row and they'll be a very dangerous team. They won the flag. Remember in 2021, they won the flag and were incredible out of the centre in the second half of that grand final against the Western Bulldogs. Clayton Oliver coming back. They, they pose a big threat. Yeah, they do. Defensively, they stack up really well. They've always defended really well. They're a bit more speed on the ball as well at the moment. So, yeah, it's it's yeah. But they lose another player like Petty on the weekend, mm. who's been uh, crucial to their forward stock. So, yeah, I feel like the as you alluded to earlier, the the flag race is legitimately wide open, mm-hmm. and um, everyone's got three weeks to get their game sorted and into gear. And that's what's probably makes it. I, I wrote down before like fifths on forty six points. Mm. 14th on the ladders on 36. Yep. So 14th can still get in if they win out. It's tight. So it's tied. It's, um, I don't know, would you say it's what the competition wants? Of course. This late in the year, most games live, people are going to keep tuning in. Mm, very interesting. Hey, um, you've re-signed. So now, as we said, you're the officially the oldest player in the competition or or will be um, next year. And um, you are now the AFL disposal record holder. 
Yep. I think he needed 14 possessions against the Western Bulldogs at Marvel Stadium. What Just was it? Just it out. Yeah. Round, round 14. I think it was a backwards kick, the 14th, which is the, the record-breaking one. Was that, how, was that an unusual night for you? Because every, literally the crowd was yeah, cheering yeah, yeah. your every possession. I'm not sure you would have ever counted your touches before in a game. Was that yeah, that? it was weird. It was strange. I remember just saying before the game, because obviously the boys knew and I had known because the media had spoken about it and mm. Fly brought it up pre-game. I sort of was just like, can we just get this done? And mm. all of a sudden, it's like, I just felt like saying, like, boys, can you just feed me the ball in the first quarter <laughs> and, like, get it over and done with? Because yeah. it's like it – this, like, sounds arrogant, but it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, it was either I was going to get it that week or the week after, you yep. know? So, um, but then, yeah, I hit – I think I hit, like, possession 13 and the crowd went nuts. Yep. And then I was like, well, obviously that was it or I just equaled it or something. And yep. then I was lucky enough, I just got another one almost straight away. Yep. So the crown went nuts and then my number come up on the board to rotate and I was like, I'm just getting off. Like, <laughs> this is ridiculous. And then I run off and, yeah, the crowd gave me like a standing ovation. The Western yep. Bulldogs players were clapping and then, yeah, post-game to get the footy and stuff off Gill and Jeff Brown was, yeah, it was a pretty cool moment yep. um, after the game. And, um, yeah, and then I was, like anything though, I was just sort of glad we we – that, yep. that moment passed and we won the yep. game of footy because it always looks better when you look back on yep. when you've done something in your career that you've also won that game that, yep. that it happened in. So, yep. um, yeah, nothing I've ever set out to do was to come in and be the all-time disposable getter, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, here I am. Um, and the new deal, of course, so sign again uh, for next year. What are you, 35? You'll be 36 next yeah, season. Yeah, 36 in January. Officially the AFL's oldest player. Still going uh, as good as ever, but... I mean, I would imagine that the club culture at the moment, and you tell me, but that would have been a fair... Well, I just made it super quick and easy to do the deal. Like, I just fly and righty sort of called me in, said they're really keen if I am. I said, I've still got the hunger, I've still got the passion. Yep. Um, and sort of, let's knock something out. Yep. Within, I don't know, 48 hours it was done. Yeah. Still, so, got, still got the sidestep and the little shit. Yeah, I've the just got the passion cell. and as you said, like the, the environment's awesome. Win, lose or draw, we come in, we have fun, we get to work. Um, yeah, I just love the balance that our club has, our family culture. You know, my family's along for the ride, the kids are always in the song, all that sort of stuff. I've really enjoyed that and yeah, I want to stick around while we're challenging for, for as long as I can. Certainly in a bit of a sweet spot or so it looks at the moment. The influence of your coach, I mean, he's been a joy Um, we get used to sort of uh, coaches yelling at us and being quite grumpy and angry in the press conferences Bucks was always eyeball us but he's um, different gravy Craig McRae likes to call him the Pied Piper everyone just you know what does that mean Pied Piper he he, he jumps through town blowing his little (laughs) and every new guy's just just following you know like the old nursery rhyme so well, what is it? What is it about? What's so special about him? Yeah, I think just the positivity that the man has is is been first class. Everything's always um, glass half full. You know, I know walking into the review today that we're going to look at some areas we need to improve, but also mm. some things we're doing really well. And mm. he's just got great balance. He has great relationships with the players, and I feel like he's um, yeah, he's sort of. I feel like he's changed the mold of the AFL a little bit, just with how positive he is, upbeat. Mm. He's really open. He's got nothing to hide. He, you know, I like how he builds up some games as well. And mm. there's a bit of theatre about him. And um, what was it against Hawthorne at the weekend? What was it? Oh, no, even just say the Port Adelaide game when they mm. get, you know, he gets asked, "Would you take Nick?" Mm. It's like, yeah, I'll take Nick. Mm. And everyone sort of thinks he's playing mind games, blah blah blah. But he's just, I don't know, he's just authentic and yep. real. And I love that about him. And yeah, every every week we, you know, we come to play. And I feel like under fly more often than not, we've we've turned up to play and we've. You know, win, lose or draw, I feel like fans are proud of the way we go about it and the way we conduct ourselves both on the field 
and as Fly would say, most importantly, off the field. I once asked Mick Moldhouse whether the boys had come to play one day and he went absolutely yeah. bananas at me. What do you think we're going to do? Yeah. Just sit in a car park? You think yeah. we're going to play marbles? What does that actually mean, come to play? So that's refreshing to... Well, you're to, only young then when you ask that question, yeah. surely. And I was packing myself in that situation. I would be too if I asked that question. I was shaking like a leaf, it's fair to say. Ross Lyons giving me a couple of sprays back in the day. Who's giving you the best spray? Uh, that was a good one. Mark Thompson... At the height of the cat stuff, um, gave me a, a good one. Uh, Ross was a fearsome customer. Fierce. He was, and he, like him and Mick were genuinely intimidating. And you knew when you asked a question, you just had to be absolutely rock solid. And with Ross in particular, you know, he had the eyes darting around. He used to dart his eyes around. You knew if you come with something that you'd almost expect a question back, because you know how he'd turn it yeah, back yeah. on you. Well, yeah. what do you what do you think? Yeah, yeah. Well, what happened in that third quarter? So you just had to be absolutely. Um, you had to be absolutely certain of what you're asking. Yeah. Um, but Ross, is, he's softened a little bit. Now he's cracking gags all the time. I heard him yesterday saying he can't rock up hungover anymore like he did in the Triple M days. <laughs> that was quite funny. He did. But it is. it does really feel like there's been a uh, change. It was more stick 10 years ago, I think, with these guys. Now it seems more carrot, you know. Yeah, I think it's just the, the way that younger kids come through these days. It's just the personality profiles, what the psychs go through. Um, the amount of back background testing that gets done on everyone is yep. players generally respond. I think people do, don't they? Don't you? Would you rather boot up the ass or a pat on the back? I think yeah. most people sort of like a pat on the back. So like a back rub. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So I think that's just. I think the what is it? It's like three positives to one negatives or something. It's the ratio that pe- most people respond best to. Mm-hmm. So maybe we just had it backwards for a, a long time in footy, mm. and now yeah, as you said, it's shifted the other way. But I've seen Sam Mitchell against was it St Kilda the week before? Like he. Blasted looked pretty him. fierce, didn't he? Yep. Um, and, you know, I heard him coming off the ground. It's like, you know, he gave, he's like, I'm just looking for a response here. Mm. And he got the response he needed. And I, and I also heard him say, you can't wheel that out too often though. Because mm. if you wheel that out all the time, like you just tune out. Like, oh, here he goes again. Or, yeah. Oh, here he goes. So, yep. yeah, I, Fly's been super positive. There's been times where I thought we were going to get a spray and we've got, you know, the windscreen wipers that he's spoken about, all this type mm. of stuff that's just super refreshing and, and puts you in a really positive frame of mind when mm. you come in and you're not playing good footy like when like on the weekend at three quarter time like I knew we weren't playing well all the boys knew we weren't playing well so if you just give it to us it's like well you're sort of just kicking a dog when it's down like we're all trying our asses off and mm. I know it doesn't look like that sometimes when yep. teams are struggling like you know more often than not your GPS is higher in your losses than it is in the wins because you're trying you're just not efficient mm. but to always remain positive and calm and try and give you solutions to win the game of football yeah, it's been a real strength of fly, and I feel like the modern coaches are all over it. Just explain the windscreen wiper theory. Yeah, wash away the bad stuff. We were playing north, oh, I think it was like round 10, and we had just not fired a shot. I thought, this is it. First time I'm going to see him lose his call mm-hmm. and come in, and he just started talking about windscreen wipers, and like, well, I had no idea. And he's like, what do I mean? He's like, wipe away all the bad stuff? Yep. Let's clear our vision and let's focus on what's ahead. Yep. And, you know, the rain on the windows, wash it all the way, wash yep. it all the way, and let's just go. And we come back and we win the game of footy. And, yep. Um, it's that positivity, I reckon, has been a big thing of why we're playing, um, you know, really attacking, bold footy. And, um, you know, there's the vision, I think, of Brazzy on Anzac Day missing a kick out of the back line. Out in the full. And he just starts laughing. Mm. Kick a goal. And pre-game flies always like, we're going to make mistakes. You know, mm. Someone's going to kick it out on the full today. We probably don't want it to kick it out on the full like in our back line. Mm. But it just happens. So embrace the mistakes and get on with it. And I think Richmond was the side that really started it in yep. 17 maybe, was it, or? 16, yep. whatever, and yep. everyone's just sort of 
evolved from that and, um, in, you know, embracing all the imperfections that the game has to offer. I certainly know what it's like to kick it out in the full. Did it a bit back in the day. We're going to take a break. We're going to be back with more on the Jock and Journo Show. Yes, so welcome back to the Jock and Journo Show. It is Jay Clark and Scotty Pendlebury here. Hey, concussion, mate, is an absolute massive story in the game. Arguably the biggest story in the game at the moment. With the Port Adelaide incident, yeah, we haven't seen anything like that in a in a period. I think it's a no-brainer that the AFL has to get an independent assessor at every game where they are uh, clearly independent of the two clubs and they can make – a completely independent assessment of the players and the incidents that happen. I know yeah. it would be expensive. I know you've got to find these nine people a week to do all this, but surely that's where we're headed. I don't – yeah, I, I've heard you talk about this. I don't – this is probably one where I'm the opposite. I, I think our doctors and that do a fantastic job. If you look across the course of a couple of years, mm. the Port Adelaide one stands out because it's the only one that's really happened where we've probably got it wrong and they put their hand up and said we got this wrong. Mm. I think an in, independent doctor could be good at just saying, you know, it's almost like they alert, hey – you need to pull player X off. Yep. He's had a hit that we've seen on camera and yep. he needs to be tested. Mm-hmm. All right? But how does an independent doctor talk to a concussed player and pick up the irregularities that they have if they don't really know this player? You so say familiarity like, is a- Yeah, I, I feel like our doctors know the players so well that they can pick up really quickly if you're off mm. um, concussion test. But I do think there'd be merit in being hey, this incident happened because our doctors can't see everything. Mm. You, know, you know how quick the game is when yep. you're sitting on the boundary line. Just even if they're just watching the vision, hey, this guy got a hit to the head, he needs to be tested. The AFL does have is. spotters. Yeah. yeah. So even if that just gets – so the Port Adelaide one, they might think, nah, Aaliyah's come off, he's fine, we're talking to him, he's good. The spotter just goes, nah, he needs to be tested, pull him out for 20 minutes. Yeah. So Which increased then I think, powers, yeah. Then I think that brings in the introduction that if someone's in concussion protocols, mm. sub, you're on. Mm-hmm. Just yes. go. And then if he's right after 20 minutes, sub, you're off. Yep. Just go for it. So the question um, is whether that'll be exploited. Because but then, if it, so if that's exploited, is that not exploited for a good reason? Then that means you're looking at more incidents. And I um, agree with you. But would then just say if a, a player who's not playing that well, say Mason Cox, sorry Coxie, but if he cops a, a hit to the head and then he goes down, then flies like right, get him off for a concussion check because we can sub on Ash Johnson who's nah, got fresh legs. I think then you're talking to the, the doctor's credibilities. The integrity. Whoa. Yeah. yeah, okay. So you think you I think how we do it's pretty well. You don't think it would be messed around. Well, but I don't, don't you need so. another layer of something? I don't know. I think the the well maybe the Port Adelaide issue was a, not the wake up call, but a bit of a reminder. A reminder or a needle that the rest of the uh, competition needed. There is something happening though with the medical stoppages at the moment. I think you had, yeah. there was an incident where uh, Will Hoskin Elliott, he went down and um Yeah, was, I forget who we were playing, but it was later in the game. And I think they had got a bit of a run on who we were playing. And we went down like right near the stoppage with an ankle. You guys were up. Yeah, and he was trying to hobble off. Yep. And I was just like, stay down. Because right near the play, they're not going to start play if you stay down. Like we're going to be one short here. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, it has creeped in a bit more and more. Like guys are winded and stuff like that. But it's oh, sometimes it's like, which way do we want it? Like we want to protect all the players so badly. We yep. don't want to protect them enough. Yep. You know, I'd rather just err on the side of caution. Like it doesn't really matter. No. And it's like, I'm thinking, oh, this letter's set up behind the play here. Mm. Two minutes later, the game's in chaos. Yes. So it doesn't really matter. I'd yeah. rather just look after the players. Like, you know, some guys have broken ribs or whatever. I'm like, oh, it looks like he's winded. Mm. A week later, you find out he broke a set of ribs, but you're willing to just kick the ball on his head while he's in medical care or whatever. So and I, don't, I don't feel like it's a massive issue. It didn't, like, I mean, Nick Dacos hit 
we touched on this off the top, but he fractured his knee in like the second quarter, didn't he? Didn't he? Yeah. And then played out with it. In that marking contest. Courage. Yeah, got flattened in that. And then, as you said, but then plays out. So I, think, I think a lot of times you don't understand how injured some of these guys are that are playing. Mm. And we're just so barbaric in terms of like, let's just get the game going, like keep the flow in the game. It's like, if we just wait 20 seconds. Mm. Like Nick had a broken knee yeah. and plays another half. Great and after the game, it's sort of like, oh, you know, and Finn McGuinness did an amazing job. Yep. But I hope it, like he didn't run as hard today and didn't work. And it's like, he's got a broken bone in his knee. No wonder yep. he doesn't run as hard. It's probably like grating every time he tries to run. Well, we cross our fingers and hope that Nicky Dacos is back soon enough. He could be back for the second, potentially even week three of the finals, which would be a massive news story. We hope he recovers quickly. How'd we go, Scotty, in our first episode? We're back. That's the main thing. We're back. We're going to do it. Uh, well, leave us a review. If you like it, press like, leave us a review. What do you want us to talk about? Are you happy that we're back? Leave a little comment and then we'll try and get to some questions, I think, for throughout Absolutely. the um, – are we having a long we going to do this for? Have you got a flag in you this year? Well, let's keep going until then, eh? <laughs> okay, it sounds good. I'm Jay Clark. That's the champ, Scotty Pendlebury. Thanks so much for joining us on the Jock and Journo show again. I think we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. Listener.